Ah, bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. At the end of you, uh, dans le podcast du film imaginaire, un podcast où on regarde un film et puis on en parle. Je m'appelle David. Um, have you ever been to Poughkeepsie, Sam? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, uh, well, well done, Dave. That was probably Shite, French. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I apologise to the French people. <laughs> to all of them. Uh, um, yeah, well, my name's Sam, and you want to you play hide the salami with this old lady? <laughs> Uh, oh. So this week, uh, apologies Ooh. for our friend Ross, who is on assignment as usual. Uh, we watched The French Connection, um, a a uh, a crime movie, a cop cops and robbers movie from uh, nineteen seventy one, mm-hmm. uh, which puts this solidly as like we haven't done a lot of seventies movies really. No, no, it's a bit of a blind spot for me to be honest. I think like seventies films is maybe. It's not all glitzy like the 80s, and then we come back into a little bit of a kind of griminess, but not as grimy as the 70s, to be clear. Uh, in the 90s, we, we get that griminess back. But it's kind I of like, like any other decade, isn't it, Sam? Apart from, I guess, the 80s and 90s, which is our bread and butter. Like, I've seen a lot of the big movies from the 70s. I've seen the Godfather films. I've seen Raging Bull. I've seen this Taxi Driver. Like, I've seen a lot of like um, really big you know, mostly Al Pacino <laughs> 70s movies, but... <laughs> he listed every single Al Pacino <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> um, Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver isn't, isn't, isn't Pacino. Um, yeah, but it's De Niro, which De Niro is the same looking play, a lot basically. like Pacino, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's... so that... Well, actually, that's why, I, that's why I, this, I picked this. This is one of my picks. I'd never seen The French Connection before, and it was one of those movies that I... Uh, new was obviously very well held and and was won won the uh, shitloads of awards in, in 1972 the oscars so it really was for me like i need to go and watch this because i haven't watched it before and it's kind of like a uh, this is a prequel show to our maybe maybe it's poetic that ross isn't here a prequel show to when we did ronin which was one of the quite early podcasts that just you and i did um mm-hmm. Obviously, before we before we cloned Ross from one of my toe hairs, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that really didn't go well. <laughs> did no, it, it? it did <laughs> not. <laughs> the process needs work. But Joe wouldn't do a movie episode, so there we go. What, we what, was, what was our other recourse? Go out and like make a friend. <laughs> come no, on now. No. Um, well, try making a friend by saying, "Do you want to? Do you want to come on my podcast?" Doesn't really work out. No, doesn't really. Work uh, out. So Sam, would you want to give us a plot summary, and we can maybe S- talk around the plot of this a little bit? Sure. So a pair of NYC cops in the Narcotics Bureau stumble onto a drug smuggling job with a French connection. There we go. There's the movie title. There's the excuse for me to speak French poorly at the beginning of this episode. uh, I mean, I just want to underline how poorly that was, but that's okay. You're trying, and I appreciate that. Um, So this this stars Gene Hackman. It stars Roy uh, Scheider as um, the two cops. And then we get a, 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 a kind of cast of characters that are the mafia and these um, French people who are shipping tons and tons, well, not tons, but large amounts of um, heroin across really France. prime heroin, which is funny mm-hmm. because isn't heroin like, I don't actually know where heroin is largely produced, um, but 
shipping heroin to Europe to then ship it back to the Americas seems like an odd choice. Yeah, yeah. Well, the so the the, the French connection was a real thing. So the the the, the actual um, like shipping it from France was a thing that happened in the late sixties and seventies. Well, this is a it's based on a book. This film, isn't it? Um, a a non fiction book about essentially like the plot of this film obviously in a uh, less dramatic i think in um... yeah yeah so this is at the very end so basically what they did you're exactly right dave they started it in i think like turkey and you know places like that to france and presumably because of you know like easier access um, between france and um and the u.s there was a lot of just you know free it's fine it's all it's just it's just it's just onions and uh, bagels. It's onions all we have. And we baguettes. Uh, we have <laughs> we have nothing. Just stinky cheese. Like I think they were again politicians all of France. Well, a that. lot of it. A lot of it comes down to like I think just like America's has a good list. Like the UK, we like them. You know the French, we like them. The Russians, no, no, no. You know, like <laughs> I'm sorry, you aren't on mainland Europe. No thanks. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of just. It's so it's easier for you to smuggle stuff in from, obviously, from France because it's less likely to be stopped and searched just as a matter of course. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, though, I was reading up about this. So it's coming from Turkey. It's going into the into the into into France and then the United States. And, like, I think the US government was starting to get a bit sick of, of just the thousands of pounds worth of, of heroin that's coming to the country. So what they did is they went and spoke to the Turkish government to try and cut it off of the source and say, guys, would you mind, like, maybe not producing so much um, heroin, which they looks like they kind of did in the late 60s. They said, yeah, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll limit our supply. Presumably it was legal there as opposed to, you yeah. know, a bit more illicit. So it's I think it, what it does... And, it, and and this links us nicely into this whole movie is that it grounds the story so well because this is like this is the dirty streets of New York and we get to see a real a real like uh, I think probably quite realistic capture of what New York was like and the, the it's, grittiness it's the inverse of Ronin I think it's very much like Ronin mm. is a, a very American movie that takes place in Marseille and Paris and this is a, you know, um, a really, really New York heavy. Like this is, this could be Starsky and Hutch. Honestly, like it's very, you know, oh, we're police in the seventies. We're gonna go beat people up and get drunk, and we're always smoking, and we're not really very good at our jobs. But it's okay because the criminals aren't very clever either. Um, sort of like grimy, rubbish, blown around New York sort of film. Um, let's start off the top by talking about Gene Hackman a little bit because, like, fucking hell. Number one, Gene Hackman is so young in this at 41 years of age. Um, <laughs> like, there's certain actors that we only know as, like, you know, old, old, they, you know, they got their start later on or they became a big name much later. Like, and Gene Hackman, I think the earliest thing I'd seen him in before was Superman 78, which is obviously, like, six, seven years after this, and he was knocking on 50. And he's still yeah. alive. He's he's, he's ninety one. He's ninety one. Um, there, there's, there's a. I've got a little bit of head cannon. Have you ever seen the film Enemy of the State? It's Will Smith movie. Breakout Will Smith thrill. It's actually a pretty cool film. He's in that as like this, like uh, you know, listen, sweetheart, type of role to to Will Smith. You, that that type of character. He's great at it. I think this is the same character from French. Well, I have That's the same character headcanon. thing here. 
Um, Gene Hackman in this movie really, really reminded me of uh, Russell Crowe in L.A. Confidential. Yes, like yeah. down to the buzz cut, like the haircut, like they're just. It could be the same character, like it's the, well, the performances, and they look alike. And I was just quite like, "Is this Russell Crowe? Am I going mad?" Uh huh. Well, I think I think probably why we're saying that is because this was such a defining role. Like this was a huge role for Hackman. And it was, I think, it, it really set the tone because it's early seventies. Remember, it's early seventies. You know, we're only we're not that far away from films. It's like real sixties, seventies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that, but that, that transition though into that grimy, hard movie, you know, that that we would see later on. Hackburn won an Oscar for this. Um, uh, uh, Deservedly, I think. Absolutely, because he just carries it. He carries it. Not. To the detriment of the other cast, which we'll come to, but I think he's he just gets he just gets that like hard ass cop. Perfect. There's this there's this energy to him. This um, like again like this fueled on fags and whiskey sort of like uh, sorry cigarettes and whiskey for our international listeners fueled <laughs> yes. on cigarettes and whiskey easy like um, <laughs> cigarettes and whiskey like you know chasing down perps and you're like man how are you running you've had four whiskeys and a beer and it's eleven a.m. <laughs> Um, no, like right. that, I'm sure, I'm sure, did exist in real life, but it's much more prevalent in like, you know, especially these like dirty New York, dirty New York cop movies from the seventies when New York was kind of like a disgusting hell pit full of crime. Yeah, not that it isn't now, but now it's all like billionaires well, committing financial crime as opposed to like <laughs> mafia people let, committing. Let's come back to New crime. Yeah, let's come back to New York, who I think is probably one of the biggest characters in this movie um but I, I, because i've i've got some stuff on that but but hackman hackman i think he, hackman. he wins hackman hackman he wins best um, actor and i think he sets up he sets up also the archetypal police cop hard boiled but, but what i love about this what i love about this movie is that it's not like apologetic about him you know the character is is flawed and and the film is basically saying, and through Hackman's performance especially, this guy's a fucking lunatic. Like this, he should not be given a gun when he's when he's running around New York, you know, po- pointing guns in in random people's faces. He 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 basically caught not directly, but the the result is that a a, a woman pushing a, a pram is shot and killed on the screen because of because of his like his. Um, the way that he's kind of goading the, mo- the the mob and really trying to pushing them and the whole thing with a train carriage later on. There's with, no with... redemptive arc in this. No, this is very much like a. I think part of that maybe comes from the based on a true story aspect of it. That like the story it's trying to tell is it's kind of a police procedural in a lot of ways, um, as opposed to it being. You can totally see a cut of this movie where Hackman is like, oh, he's this tortured soul, but then somebody, some woman saves his life and, you know, he finds happiness. And, like, you can see that, like, lurking at the edges here and they they fortunately never go that way. Um, Or the other way where they make him totally irredeemable and evil and then he ends up getting shot at the end. Like, this story is about this heroin deal and it's about how they resolve it and largely it's it's like... Go on. Go on. Sorry, I was gonna say it's largely like Gene Hackman just stomping around New York, like yeah. seemingly doing some really heavy-handed police work. Well, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's about his actual descent into madness, and let's you know spoilers, but 
at the end of the movie, he kill he shoots and kills an FBI agent because he is so obsessed about getting this guy. You know, it's not just bang. What he unloads his entire clip into this guy because he somehow thought that he was the French um, criminal that he, you know, he's been trying to pursue. So, like the personality that, that, that I think is attached to this and Hackman's performance is just great. What's I think frustrating though is that um, Hollywood saw this and then like took the hard-boiled character which had already existed to be fair but i think this is crystallized and then just kind of gets rid of all the all the negativity gets rid of all the 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 bad stuff and we get basically like bad boys and the total glorification of the police as these you know damn it damn it chief i know i can do it you know i just i just lethal a weapon yes at the end of this movie, the chief says, "Fucking stop it! You are off the case. You are off the case." And he carries on, yeah. and there are You've consequences. been doing this for three months, and you haven't arrested anybody else. It's kind of I like know what you do. Whereas in future movies, in eighties and nineties movies, what do we get? We get, I, I'm, I'm, you know, give me a gun and your badge, and he carries on doing it with his own gun, and then he saves a day, and the chief says, "Ah, well done, you did it. You know, that's fine." And like, and you get Hollywood a medal, did not learn the lesson. You get a medal, movie. and you get a yeah. medal. Um, you are right, Sam, and it's kind of like this really is like a, a film history film and very transformative of the industry in such a way that watching it, it kind of feels like well-worn, even though obviously at the time it wasn't. Um, let's let's dig into this plot a bit more uh, now we've sort of talked a bit a bit about the movie. Um, so the the contrivance of the the French connection or the connection français as um, stop it. <laughs> I apologise again <laughs> to the entire nation of France. Um, and anyone who speaks French, you know, like Ivory Coast or whatever, we're, we're sorry as well. Yeah, we apologise. Everywhere, you know, just uh, <laughs> we officially recognise that we are not French, uh, nor do we speak the French language well. Um, sorry, I was doing a bit of a Clinton speech apology there. Um, <laughs> so in this movie, the French connection, basically, like, we get some... Uh, and I think these are some of the... I love the shots, but some of the worst shots in the movie. We get the Marseille... Um, like a segment, which is odd because, like, basically introduces us to our our main French guy. Um, Sam, you can get the names up while I'm talking. Introduces mm-hmm. to our main French guy, uh, his um associate, uh, who uh, Hackman shoots later on, and it introduces us to the celebrity, and they're kind of like the core of how we are getting this heroin. By the way, not fucking like oh, it's a bit of weed, heroin. Yeah. Like, we yeah. aren't fucking around. This is heroin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Fernando Ray plays Alan Charnier, who's Frog One, which is easy to remember. He's the main French dude. He's the clever one. He's um, the, like, yeah, the, the cultured beard. He's looking great, by the way. I love his look. Uh, you can instantly tell he's French. <laughs> yes. And he was, he was, I think he's a Spanish. Spanish, yeah. So, actor. good job from the good job from the costume department. Selling him as French. Which, by the way, is a bit of trivia. Basically, like, um, I, I can't remember exactly who they wanted, but essentially the the director said, Oh, I want, um, I want such and such from this movie. And then they accidentally got in touch with Fernando Rey, and he was like, Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> yes. But yes. it worked so I... out because the person they wanted. They initially wanted didn't speak French. Aha! Uh-huh. They wanted um, Francisco Robal, who who was um, in some six, uh, 1967 French film, and then I think that the the casting director or the or director didn't know the guy's name, 
and remembered that he was a Spanish actor. And then middle, 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 they managed to get this guy who was like, you know, presumably in the interview was like, yeah, I can do it. Yep, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, Interesting no. Three again, months in New York, way, no problem. By the way, for the localization, uh, they have to dub his lines because apparently his French wasn't good enough. That a French oh, audience really? would know he isn't French from his French in it. But obviously an American audience, who fucking cares? I'm speaking a foreign yeah. language. It could be Greek, oh, it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> We've demonstrated the ignorance. <laughs> we really have. And we're British and we're like, the, we're as far from French as you can get. <laughs> you know, with sharing all of that history and borders and geography and literal land. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We go there to buy booze and things. Um, <laughs> we love the French. Thank you. We do. Um, so the, these shots of Marseille are really, really pretty. Um, I do think that you can... What kind of shows now is the fact they're obviously filmed on a very different camera to the rest of the movie, and therefore they don't look as good. But loads and loads of shots, which I noticed from doing Ronin, because we're going to talk a lot about Ronin in this, from watching Ronin, there's loads and loads of shots which they fucking nail the same shots in Ronin. Absolutely nail. Like, you see basically all the roads, all the, all the car chases happen on in Ronin, are in this Marseille section, which I was like, oh my God. Yeah, amazing. I know that bar. We've seen that. you know that. what it is? You know what it is? It's that, it's that long, wide shot that zooms, that zooms in. It's just, and it's just a really steady zoom or you, or you get, you get to see something from a distance and you get all this scenery around you. It, it's a great, it's a great little reference to Ronan, I think. And I think if you haven't seen that, uh, listener, that you should absolutely because Ronin is kind of it's kind of this movie, but it's it's maybe it's maybe a little bit more accomplished and a little bit easier to watch from it's, like a. It's certainly um, like it, it leans more into your traditional like redemptive arcs, and it's yeah. much more of a fiction. Whereas this movie, but the Marseille section is really good. I love what everyone looks like. I love the fact it's subtitled in French, which I feel like in 1971, like is a relatively bold move for especially American audiences, where like. This would really feel like, especially like compared to a lot of sixties big big studio films. Mm-hmm. You know, we aren't mm-hmm. that far away from like fifties bloody. You know, let's make ten Elvis films where he goes to Hawaii or he goes to Minnesota or whatever. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we're not that far removed from that. Where like it's the big... husk of James Stewart walking <laughs> around Arizona in chaps. <laughs> now, hello there. Can you help help an old man? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a fairly fairly passable Jimmy Stewart. Not bad. Yeah. Um, but you, you are right, up. Sam. We're not that far removed from big studio pieces like dominating the industry. So this, uh-huh. like these dirty, grimy seventies movies, like that are violent and they're sexy and they're not. This this isn't a particularly sexy example, but like they're violent and they're more sexual and they're more sweary and they're more like gritty. It kind of feels like a rejection of that like silver age of Hollywood like yeah. um picture you know like we, big budget sort of like um spartacus crime, type stuff crime crime and police you know being a key feature of like all, all of the films we, that we've kind of mentioned and, and how much that i think progressed we 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 nearly get into a kind of goodfellas situation here a little bit there's there it is ever since i can remember i always wanted to smuggle a shitload of heroin <laughs> Which is kind of what happens in uh, in in uh, Goodfellas as well, but like there's the, the the mafia stuff is interesting. So we come from Marseille, we're into New York, and the framing for this is kind of like the the 
the low-level mafia dude. Is it mafia? I don't know if it's technically mafia. It is. Mafia, so I was paying a little more attention and basically like... So once we're in... Because we don't really know what's going on in France. We know this guy wants to build some docks. We know he's got a sexy young wife. Um, we know he's getting this French TV star to smuggle something into the US for him. We don't really know what. And we don't know what for quite a while, actually. Um and Hackman and his mate, uh, who are Popeye and Cloudy, I think are the character mm-hmm. names. Um, they go to a bar after work, and Popeye's like, um, they, you know, a bar where, you know, mafia guys go, a club, I suppose, is the word. And they see this table full of people they know, and there's one guy, and they don't know him. They don't recognise him. They're like, right, who the fuck is this guy? Like, because this is the mafia, it's fairly close-knit, like... This is a face we don't know. So they follow him and then they discover who he is, like completely fucking no authorization whatsoever. Um, and they follow him and they're basically like, right, so this guy runs a cafe. You know, his IRS earnings say he earns seven grand a year. He's a pauper. Like, what is he doing balling out at this table with a bunch of mafiosos in this club? And he is, he is thumbing those hundreds. Why is he doing got the... two cars? What yeah. is he up to? And that's basically kind of like a... His you know, wife say, with the fake wig, with the, with the fake yeah. wig, with the wig on, you know, the blonde wig. The blonde wig. Yeah. She's the most Italian-looking woman I've ever seen. And she's got this <laughs> massive blonde wig. But like, that's kind of the whole thing. That's the only reason they come across this is kind of like because like this guy's out of place. Like we should know who this is because we know all the players. Like we know, you know who the who the mafiosos are, and so they follow him and they get a wiretap, and it's all on the basis of like he's up to something, which feels like. Um, that doesn't feel like a particularly good reason to violate these people's privacy, but you know, it's the seventies. Yeah. So, so Sal Boker is the is the the, the kind of low level mafia guy, and he's the one who connects the the <laughs> he connects the French um, with with the, the the rest of the mafia, you know, bosses who are all very impressed and happy with this eventually. Um, and and it's and it yeah that like the way that they 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 happen to come across this guy and then basically profile him to with an inch with an inch of his life, and throughout the film. Say, we get say, John, this guy looks Italian. <laughs> he looks Italian. It's literally yeah. like, <laughs> say, where do you get all that money? Yeah, he should be poor because that's what we've that's the system we've created to ensure what's going on. It's, I'm it's a white out. Anglo-Saxon man. I don't like that. <laughs> And then, and then we do as as we go around the don't film, clip just, any of that, Sam. <laughs> no, we 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 do see various instances of these police officers just brutalizing and just being absolutely, you know, horrible. The bit when they go into the bar and there's loads of there's loads of African American guys just just having a drink, chilling out. And, you know, maybe taking a bit of drugs and, you know, that. I fucking love this thing because he goes in, he starts rattling stuff. Everyone steps away and, like, the floor is covered in drugs and needles and, like... And they're all dropping it, like... Yeah, and they're all like, oh, did you drop this? Did you drop this? But, like, they're being so aggressive and racist. There's a lot of racism very early on in this movie. You're like, fucking hell, it's 1971. We can't say these things. Only Spike Lee can make movies where they say these things. That's Uh the rule. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does, but but again, you kind of like, and maybe this is just a cultural osmosis that we have about seventies New York, which which let's maybe talk about that next. Um, 
like but there is a real feel of like, this feels this feels like it, this could happen that this happened and that people were treated like this you know the, the extent of the of the power that police had yeah. and you know and it also goes some way to like again tell you that popeye is not a good guy like we he's get unhinged. a lot of that like not even on injury but he's just he's not a good dude like no. he enjoys having this undue power over people yeah. Like, because they he, don't really arrest anyone. They only arrest someone so he can speak to his informant. I do like how he makes up that cocktail of like all the drugs he finds on the bar. And it's like, anyone want a cocktail? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. all he's well, doing he is does just spoiling this. the drugs. He does all this to 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 speak to um, his informant, who who comes out like comes out of the the toilet and you know is kind of <laughs> complete, and then and then he shouts across, "Hey, hey, hey, haircut! What are you doing?" <laughs> which is because he's got like an afro thing yeah um and then goes and you know pretends to beat him up and then actually has to hit him so it's believable that he is so there's there's you know there's like again it's 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 kind of interesting to watch it's all Sam, are you interesting in- intentionally holding your bank card up for our youtube viewers i am it's an expired one though so <laughs> right. okay. i was just like you just trying to like trying to be robbed thanks for drawing attention <laughs> to that though so people can scroll back and, and find it but the the um i think as a general point what I just love about this film, what I loved all the way through, is the detail and is the is the 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 chance that it gives you just to kind of like take just to wash for things to wash over you. You know, like you see those, you see all that detail about the the drugs and that there's a bar here, and you're like, it, they're all every scene is kind of like self-contained in a lot of ways, so you can just enjoy it as a as an insight into what it was like. To be in the seventies, you know, to go into one of these bars and to and to to see what uh, was happening, you get it later on with a lot of the the stuff in the subway, and just you just can feel the, the well. The, the there's a reason for this sandwich. I'm sure you've been trying to like peek me to t- say for ten minutes, and I've just not realised. Um, a lot of this movie was um, filmed without permission. Uh, it's called uh, guerrilla filming. Yeah. And um, you don't you don't see tons of movies these days because I suppose they get caught too quickly. But basically, rather than like apply for permits to film in New York and to film on the subway, and then you get extras, and then you get all of this because it's quite a low budget movie. Um, I think initially they they gave the one point five million. I think it ran a little bit over to one point eight, which is you know not chump change, but you've got to pay your actors, you've got to you know film in France, you've got to do all of this and that. Um, and then edit it together and then somehow win an Oscar. Um, but like, so it's called guerrilla <laughs> filming where basically they just, what they'll do is they don't have a big production or a set or anything like Gene Hackman and a guy with a camera show up at the subway. Apparently the guy with the cameraman, uh, rather than using a dolly, he's sat in a wheelchair so that basically like it's not as obvious they're filming, um, which you can sort of see in some of these shots because he stands up and the camera goes, it wobbles. Um, but basically, like they did, this is quite a lot of the external New York shots and the subways specifically, where they didn't really apply for permission. They just kind of filmed it, and they weren't essentially mm. caught. Um, yeah. The other, while I'm here, because this is amazing, and I w- I hope it's true, but I don't know, is that they applied uh, with the New York Transit Authority to um, film this big car chase because they follow the overground train. Um, Popeye basically yeah. like drives into head-on traffic underneath this overhead train. They applied for permission. The guy they talked to said no chance. 
Um, and they were like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, well, what will it take? Basically, like, offering to bribe this guy, I assume, because it's 1970s New York, no problem. Um, and I think, what did he say? Um, he said, oh, I want this much money in a first-way ticket to Jamaica. And they were like, oh, what, why a first-way ticket? Because I'm getting fired for this. <laughs> like, and he basically signed it off and was duly fired as soon as, like, as soon as the transit authority found out about it, which I hope it's true. I d- I'm not entirely sure. Like, it's, fu- it's, it's always difficult in movies like this to know, but I really hope yeah. that's true. Well, if, they, if, if they're doing guerrilla filmmaking, I, I, don't, I don't see them going pass a, a little bit of light bribery you know just a wee bit just to, just to well, because the there's no way the you could system. guerrilla film this car scene because no. you would be arrested yeah um, it's just you yeah you're just rampaging grand theft Auto you're literally around, like yeah exactly you're York, going to yeah. be shot like but, but, but you i don't care if you're gene hackman if you drive a car like this around new york with the camera strapped to the front of it you the police are shooting you dead yes absolutely that's there's no there's no getting away with that um New York in the seventies, though, because that, I think a lot of the fact that the the, the 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 grittiness and the griminess and the authentic nature of this movie, you know, that comes from the grill of filmmaking, you can smell from, the like, filth. Oh my God, you can absolutely lick the TV. Mm. New York, New York in the seventies is very famous. It's very famous for being, you know, the the I think I think the same year, if I remember rightly, is when the actual Serpico. Um, yeah. delivered his his testimony, Frank Serpico, and like so. This this is the time where where New York is probably at its lowest. We are absolutely at like the height of police corruption. Probably, realistically, the mafia has never held more sway than in this sort of era. Um, you, white flight is in full force. Like loads of social problems, like buildings dilapidated, squats, um, yeah. trash piling yeah. up in the streets. This is a really like bad time for New York, and I think especially from now, where New York is a you know relatively well governed, very very wealthy city, where you know poor people are being squeezed into smaller and smaller spaces. Like in the early seventies, like you know pretty much the entire NYPD was in somebody's pocket. You know, mm. bribery was rife and, like, social issues, racism. Like, it was a bad time. <laughs> it was a bad time for New York. Really also, was, probably the was... height of the lead lead in the atmosphere, which is another interesting um, theory that's been posited for the for the just sheer uh, amount of violent crime in the 70s is that I think here, was it was at the Carter administration, they stopped putting lead in fuel, um, so maybe, maybe slightly later, and, like, and the, the drop-off of the crime rate globally in fact but in cities especially is quite astounding since then it's like hmm, maybe all these heavy metals in the air aren't good for us hmm. yeah, maybe poisoning our people is not a, a, a long-term solution to, to anything new york was literally days away from declaring bankruptcy and i think in this so i just got it up here they've got in in october um 17 1975 so after this film was released um, basically, they said to one of the teachers' union that you need to give us a hundred and fifty million from your pension fund in 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 securities, and and they, they had a they had a statement ready for the mayor, which read, "I have been advised by the controller that the city of New York has insufficient cash on hand to meet debt debt obligations today," and they basically said, um, "We're going to default unless the the, the teachers' union." gives us 150 million which they did 
which they did, which was very, very, very lucky. And that basically saved, you know, the short term. But then even the president at the time, Gerald Ford, was like, fuck you, we're not giving you anything. And like, why should we bail out this, you know, this, this it's shit or the city? It's a complicated, like, federalized system in America, isn't it? Where like, that yeah. can happen. Like, can you imagine, eventually Sam, did, though. Shrewsbury eventually- is going to go bankrupt and that's somehow going to be a big thing. And the government said, no, we're not giving Shrewsbury any more money. Fuck them. Not the flower, not the flower festival. Oh no, <laughs> we live, Shrewsbury we live a very different life over here in England <laughs> or the UK, I should say. Ah, oh, Shrewsbury's a nice place. So you should go to Shrewsbury. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Shame about but, but, people. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got you've got like um, I think eventually they got New York got like you know federal loans etc. And then by like the mid eighties, you start to actually they're not in debt anymore. Also linked to that is obviously all the organized crime, and that gets us back into the, the the movie where the mafia is like fucking loving it in the seventies, and they're able to um, really start, you know, cementing the 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 grip which they developed through the fifties, sixties, and into the seventies. It's, the, it's, the, zenith, and all it's this the zenith stuff. for the mafia, yeah. and like the sixties mafia is seen as like the. I mean, if you've watched Goodfellas, you know this. Like sixties mafia is like. We are all powerful, and it's kind of all downhill from there. I do think that largely from from sort of like the early to mid seventies, it's quite steeply downhill because essentially, like the city. It's a bit later though. A lot of audio. Well, the start of it though is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is like they moved a lot decline, more into yeah. and hard drugs has a big thing to do with that. Like, you know, mm. the and this isn't the mafia podcast, although seemingly it is. Like um, things like heroin, like in this movie, like the mafia moving into hard drugs and drug trafficking yeah. kind of like spells the end for like, you know, your happy neighborhood mafia who, but na- now they're getting your, no, no, but it now, now they're getting your kids addicted to smack. So like, it's very hard to think, oh, they're okay. They keep the neighborhood in order and they only steal from companies like, no, nope, yeah. now they are getting your kids hooked on smack. There was that real thing of like the the mafia, you know, the five families. None of them do drugs, and you maybe get the odd underboss who would do it, or maybe the, the old, old captain who would like start getting in there a little bit, and then you know get slapped down, as we see in in Goodfellas. And obviously, that's the source of all our mafia knowledge. Welcome to Mafia Cast. But this movie though is representing kind of that move. It's representing the 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 how powerful the drugs were in 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 the seventies and the. Just the rate that they can get from this, you know, they pay. It's like hundreds of thousands, isn't it? They pay, you know, like, and then they can sell it on for upwards of of, of millions, millions, millions in the seventies. That yeah. is a extraordinary. Um, amount we should of money. say this isn't a very mafia heavy movie. Um, like for the role that we've talked about the mafia for twenty minutes. Um, it's our podcast. Welcome yeah, to Mafia Cast. Yeah, oh, yeah. we should do more mafia movies. Um, oh. this isn't a mafia movie. This is kind of like a police movie and like a a 70s police movie this isn't even about police corruption really it's it's literally about like the police solving a crime yeah. which is inherently a good thing uh-huh well um, there's w- 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 the one scene the one scene that takes us back to the subway and this is this scene is like it's it's quite a brave scene i think in just how brazen and bold it is because it, um uh, popeye um, gene hackman is chasing frog one alan shani and like Johnny is he he's he's a, he knows what's going on. He he's pretty street savvy and he knows that he's being chased and tailed, we should say. He's not being Yes, tailed, he's yeah. Tailed, but, but they they they've been 
they've been driving around and been pretty obvious about it that they're following these people and they've been looking at hotels and I think the FBI is maybe involved in this in this part as well. And there's this bit where the, and it's and it's so tantalizing, it's so great, and it's kind of I, I'm struggled to see how it works in a lot of ways though, where they're like on the train and then um Frog One steps off the train and Popeye uh, it steps off as well, and there's and there's a certain points where it's like a Scooby Doo level comedy. Where well, like what it is, Sam, is that other. like uh, Gene Hackman doesn't know that um, Frog One, <laughs> the French guy, um, <laughs> French Prime, um, <laughs> that uh, Optimus Prime know knows he's tailing him, so he's on the train, and like he gets on the train. <laughs> And he's on the train, and Gene Hackman, he runs, and he gets on the train, and he's like, he's watching him out the corner of his eye, and he sees him, like, step off. And at that point, he's like, right, he knows I'm following him, but he falls for it, and he steps off the train. He looks behind him, but Optimus Prime has stepped back onto the train. Doors close, the train goes off, and it's like, that's such a minor thing, because that isn't a, like, we're in a shootout. That's not a, you know, this isn't Blade, where we get, like, an un- a subway shootout. This is... Like, the stakes are so... Not low, because the stakes are high, but, like, it's so well shot that you know what's happening. And, like, yeah. and it, the, the movie telegraphs in a way that even if you aren't familiar with, like, police surveillance, like, you see them running around tailing each other, like, throughout. And this French guy is clever enough to be like, right, I'm off. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of how it's shot, there's a bit where they're at the concession stand. They're at the, the you know, the, the buying newspaper or coffee or whatever. And it's focused on Hackman, and you can see you can see um, Optimus Prime in in <laughs> from now on. That's what he's called. You can see um, Decepticons roll out. Wait, that's the other guy. <laughs> Autobots roll out. That's the Autobots. One. That's it. You can see him in the background. He's not even in focus. You know, he's not even in focus particularly. And because again, the film's like we've got this. We can we can we can show you this, and it's going to make sense, and you're going to be able to follow it. And that's. And then, and then at, later on, when it actually becomes, um, you know, the the point where he's waving goodbye at the window, because he's he's fooled him, and you can see Hackman's just utter frustration and hatred, yeah. and like I think that is actually a crucial part of the film because it it's where um, Hackman's is flips, it's where he is utterly determined to catch this guy, and I think. And I think it's such a great memorable scene because it it ties all that up in your head. You remember and you're annoyed as well, you know, along with it's him. It's kind of like the really... pinnacle of that. They still don't really know what's going on. They kind of yeah. like they have an inkling there's a big drug trade going down because there's talk. You know, they know that this Sal guy is involved. They do end up following him to Washington where he meets Optimus Prime. Like, so in essence, like this Hackman like slip up hasn't really like cost them a lot. They basically mm-hmm. just missed the meetup. By the way, we do get an airport scene in the early seventies where, like, you just walk into an airport. I'll have a ticket to Washington, please. Yes, here you are, sir. Doors over there. <laughs> would, you, would you like to fly the plane today? <laughs> yeah. Would you like to fly the plane? Um, I did. I did think it's a bit of criticism. I did think. Would the, you like to stuff... stock up your ammunition before you board the plane? Sir? Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. please. That would be lovely. Yes, and cigarettes, four, of course. Yes. Four or five blocks of uh, sea floor. A sea floor. What would you prefer? Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I did think that I did like it just as a bit of criticism. Like the pacing of of the film, I think died a death a little bit when we went to Washington, and I did think like you could have this conversation in the park. Do we need really need to have 
this whole airport scene. It's like fine. I fine. I think it's... But you are right. The movie does sort of stop dead and we move into our, like... Our very frenzied last act, I think, is kind of like when... Because they have the big meeting with the... Not the commissioner, the captain and the FBI. And he's like, lads, you know, you're the only two narcotics cops in the entire city. So I can't possibly let you investigate this potentially huge heroin deal anymore because you lost one guy. Like, it's been three months. Give me Get back on the badge. streets. Like, yeah. there's been no arrests because there's only four people in the NYPD. And I'm too fat and old. And he's too lazy. <laughs> And like, so, but no, we don't get the gun and badge scene. We just get the, like, listen, you're off the case. Like, there is no case. They've had the wiretaps, you know, yeah. done all of this. And I did like the the bit earlier when he, when they were like pleading with him to, to give him the, the, the warrant for the, for the, the wiretap. And there's like, you can really, again, it's great acting um, from, uh, uh, what's his face as well? The other guy um, from Schneider as well, from, from Roy Schneider. Like, Rob Schneider? Rob Schneider. Oh no, he's in this movie too. <laughs> Several years before he was born. Like there's there's a there's a bit where they're just come on, we we need it, we need it. we know I can get this guy, I can get him, you know, and you can really like that 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 gut feeling thing that which is runs through so many police movies. I know it's him. I know it's him, you know, and yeah. I can I just need to prove it. And if you give me the wiretap, if you let me break this man's constitutional rights. <laughs> God damn it! I He's Italian. It's 1970s. Damn, fuck it. Because he has um, no yeah. What we do get though is we go from that into like the essentially Hackman's like, all right, fair enough. And he does. He's walking along with his shopping, and an innocent woman gets murdered um, because the French associate, um, we will call him um, Optimus Secundus, uh, <laughs> in the Roman Legion. Optimus Secundus uh, is on top of a building shooting and basically like we get a really tense like I think this is the best bit of the movie and I think the reason it won the Oscar like hands down um, is the because it won a lot of Oscars Sam you bring up the list while I talk Um, so we get the scene where he kind of like we get Gene Hackman like rolling around on the ground he's like where's this guy where's this guy he runs up a flight of stairs. We have really sweaty Gene Hackman. This is a very tiring chase scene. And he basically like finds a sniper and he chases him away. Um, and the guy boards the train. And Hackman doesn't. So the guy's on the train uh, waving a gun around. Um, Gene Hackman, the same trick again, doesn't he? he? Where he Gene Hackman gets off the train. Or is he ever on the train? No, I think I, 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 it doesn't really matter. But basically, we get that we get this chasing, don't we? With the with now, this is probably one of the most. Um, this is probably what the French Connection is famous for. Um, there's Bullet, which is a, um, a a movie starring that man who's in lots of films like Paul Newman. Like, no, not no, Paul the Newman. Other one. The other one. Doesn't, Google. Anyway, it. go on. Um, so B- Bullet came, c- comes out, and that's like this great you know crazy chase movie and this is this is you know really the start of those of those big blockbuster chase scenes which we saw in ronan you know that's probably one of my favorite um chase car chase scenes in all of cinema are just just fantastic and and when when people say french connection this is what they're kind of talking about this is the one of the biggest scenes throughout when they're he's chasing a, a, a overhead train and what we get is this great um this great pace and action and and 
the consequences of the chase are really quite clear as well. It's not, you know, jumping over Dukes of Hazard style. Like, the car is falling apart. He is smashing into people. And I've remembered why. <laughs> What's happening is happening. Uh, he goes up to the train platform and the French guy's on the other platform. He yes. boards the train. So Hackman has to go and, like, commandeer a car, which I love. I love the commandeering of cars. We talked about this in a previous episode. It's so funny. Dave bingo. Tick. Tick. Um, and the French guy's on the train, and he basically, like, he is, again, like, everyone knows they've got the measure of each other very much. Like, he knows Hackman's going to go to... Uses the fact that he knows where the next stop's going to be, and he's going to go to the next stop. So what he does is he fucking, like, shoots a guy... He goes to the end of the train and he threatens the driver and he says, "Don't fucking stop at this next stop." Yeah. So then that yeah. in that in, that the tension ramps up so much mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. bit, and Hackman has to like board the you know steal um commandeer a car and then destroy it. Uh, the guy who was in Bullet was Steve McQueen. Um, Steve McQueen. I don't know why Thank we couldn't you. remember that. I don't um, know. And while we're on this, uh, they wanted Steve McQueen McQueen for this, but they couldn't afford him. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. like that's why Hackman got the role. The director didn't like him; it didn't want to give him the role, but they really couldn't afford anyone else. <laughs> no, this is. Well, well, let's talk about budget later on and, and how much this earned. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now you kind of. I think. I think this car chase is is excellent. It's really good. It's really good. And what and what's interesting about it is it's more for me the techniques that they're using because they've got the, number one they're strapping cameras onto cars and driving really really fast. Um, and that is not an easy thing to do in in the early 70s like it's not just a case now where you've got either digital cameras or you've got steady cams or stuff like you can't be really doing this these are film cameras that are heavy that are expensive and if you smash one you know on a on a, on a film especially a, a film like this where a camera might be worth 100,000 it had a budget of 1.8 yeah. million 1.8 million is what the is what the the budget of this was so we are talking if you break a camera that's worth at the time maybe sixty thousand dollars, you know that is a bad bad day, and you are going to have to find that money from somewhere. Yeah. So there's there's all this stuff. Actually, though, kind of watching it, I was a little bit not underwhelmed, but I think it, I think what it demonstrates is that sometimes you need to have you need to know the context of the film that you're watching. So if you go go back and watch um, Citizen Kane. Which is a great movie. It's really, really good, and obviously considered one of the best movies, if not the best movie of all time. Go back and watch it, and you would not be, you would not be kind of, um, it wouldn't be unreasonable to say you go, cool, like yeah, that was, I like, I get it. And the reason is, is that everything that that film did at the time was pioneering. It was pioneering in the in the shots that it used, in the narrative structure that it used, in the direction, all these other things. And this film kind of has a similar thing where you can watch it and go, oh, I mean, obviously they've sped it up because they've sped up the, 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 the footage yes. and they ran the film um, slower. Which is and- a technique we talked about on the Ronin episode, actually, to stay sort of like, because we go to yeah. about Ronin. Um, in Ronin, they didn't do that, like, no. um, very specifically because they had better rigs. Um, you know, it's still film cameras for Ronin, I think, largely. It was. Uh, the infancy of digital. But, like, they had better gimbals and rigs, and it was cheaper, largely, is the like, like salient fact there. It was much yeah. cheaper to get shots like that. Um, they could, that. That meant they could destroy more cars, whatever. Um, 
and they kind of get away with that by filming all of the chase scenes like down quite narrow alleys so it's a lot of like they're driving more slowly but in a much more confined space whereas this movie he's largely just driving in a straight line and it is sped up a little but i don't think it's that noticeable like i noticed it because i knew to look for it yeah um which is kind of the you, curse you of couple, like yeah having you see internet. a couple of times there's people walking and they're walking faster than than they would normally but i think i think to, to, to my point though of like you wouldn't you i think it's not unreasonable to watch this and go cool like i didn't really i don't really get what the fuss is about the car chase but i think it's because it's so new because it's so um like again it's that pioneering thing with this film and you've got it against bullet and all these other ones that are nearby um, but but it's a great it's a great part of the narrative though it's a great part of the narrative because again it feeds this idea that gene hackman's character is utterly reckless like he steals a car completely trashes it you know how many people had had neck injuries or were even killed because of his um his total well, he nearly you know, hits a woman with a pram yeah um and like again like 10 minutes before this a woman with a pram got shot and killed um and this all kind of culminates in like this is a really really tense scene and kind of like you can be forgiven for thinking that once this is over the movie has lost a lot of its oomph and mm-hmm. up until it you're kind of like waiting for this release and so you've got um the french guy on the train the assassin uh he comes out of the driver's cab and he shoots a guy the train crashes because the driver's had a heart attack because of the stress of it um the french guy's injured uh gene hackman's like arrived he's sweaty he's been running he's been shot at he looks like shit um (laughs) and basically he's at the bottom of the stairs the french guy runs down he's like shit he sees him he turns around he runs away and gene hackman shoots him in the back um and this apparently got quite a lot of flack from from law law enforcement professionals and generally from like um people in general uh because it's very like he shot him in the back you know how can the hero shoot a guy in the back and i think it yeah. underlines what the filmmakers trying to achieve here where yeah. gene hackman isn't the good guy this is telling a story but there is no white knight there is no you know even the bad guys aren't particularly bad they're not torturing people or stealing candy from kids you know they're just doing a business deal Unfortunately, mm-hmm. that business deal is heroin, but they're not like shooting associates or doing any crime or anything apart from that. Yeah, and th- and that's and that goes to that, to that overall point about like why this film is different and why this film is is considered such a classic and one you know because because it, it's getting rid of that like very traditional good guy bad guy you know love interests like the 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 only I mean there are not very many women in this movie at all. And you know, there's quite a lot of the uh, Sal's wife. Um, there's a few extras, and there's the girl on the bicycle Gene Hackman sleeps with in a scene seemingly to be like, yeah, this guy bangs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I guess we we get a bit of butt. We get a bit of a bit of uh, nudity. I think as it's because it's seventies and that's uh, mandated. I think, but not Gene Hackman nudity, which, which is what I was here for, really. What a waste. It, it, right in his prime as well at 48. <laughs> 41, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> Damn it. But yeah, so that it's... But that, again, it, I think I think what, what this film does and what this film... Like, the lesson that you could learn from this and then Hollywood completely forgot about that is that your action sequences 
are, are really good and important and they need to be explosive and they need to keep you on the edge of your seat and it does all of that really well but like they should also serve your overall narrative i think that's what you're getting at there is that this guy is a is a total lunatic he's a total lunatic and we get to see that not just be told it we get to see that through his actions and then as the film gets into its kind of final act he's totally unhinged and yeah. and he's, he, even his partner's like, come on, like you just have to leave it. We have to leave like, it. Mate, please, and... can we just chill out? Yeah, but uh, we does it does serve the narrative, Sam, because what it does is that then they're back on the case, like yeah, because this French guy, they know he's French, they don't necessarily know the connection. Again, French connection, um, but they know, you know, and they're like, right, this guy's tried to murder you. Obviously, there's something here because otherwise. Like and that's funny as well, isn't it? That like the criminal tried to have him killed, and like ultimately, if they just left it, probably would have been fine. What I, I want to talk about actually, because I think that like a lot of the end of my, end end of this film is a bit trite, not trite, but it's a bit by rote. Um, I want to talk about the car um, and a little bit about the the smuggling and things that go on. So the kind of like the MacGuffin maybe is the wrong word. The the pivot by which the film turns is that they're in, <clears throat> they are um, smuggling this heroin in in a car that's quite obvious from the get get go because it's this big um american car actually oddly it's it's not a european car yeah Uh, this big american car that we see unloaded from a transporter ship we see reporters asking this french guy why he came by ship um and not by plane because it takes fucking how many weeks on a ship (laughs) and he's like well i just i just like to you know relax and there's nothing more relaxing than the Atlantic Sea and all of the choppy seas and the horrible shit <laughs> and the vomit. Yeah, so we have the car, we have the car, and we see the car like once or twice, and then after the the big chase scene, um, basically it's like a huge like again sweaty tense stakeout um, where for so and this kind of isn't explained where this um, French TV uh, or this French star guy drives this car and leaves it on a really shady block in New York and. Um, Hackman and the police and the FBI guy, they all stake it out. And I love some of these shots as well. This is kind of like our big send-up to like gritty, horrible New York. You know, you've got kids playing street hockey with garbage. You've got um, like a gang of people driving around looking to steal wheels, Um, which is something that we don't really have anymore. Like you don't really, you know, you're not going to come outside and find your car jacked up and on blocks because there's not really any money in it anymore. Whereas... Obviously, in the seventies, you know, it's a much bigger economic thing, um, and we get the hat again in the back of this car, which again I thought was going to be a much bigger thing. So mm-hmm. early on in the movie, they're on a stakeout, and um, Cloudy throws like this straw hat into the back of the car, um, into the car window, and like we see it two or three more times. And I thought that was going to be like they how the criminals made them, uh, like you know knew it was cops, but it's not really like a no, it's a bit. It's a bit weird, isn't it? The trivia really says that, that it's something like it's. It's apparently like an Easter egg. Like it's a nod towards um, basically corrupt cops would put a hat in the back of a car, so that apparently, like, so they were still doing their job, but like the people they were staking out would know, like, oh, that car's there's a straw hat on the back. The wind in the back window of that car. That's police on a stakeout. Like I think that's what it's a nod to. That's certainly right, what the trivia seemed to imply. Mm, um, that's interesting. But yeah. It does draw but focus but, in this movie a bit. Yeah, there's because there's quite a, is they even zoom into it, don't they? It's a bit strange, but 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 this car, this car is like this is where the this is where the film turns. This is how they get them, 
and they basically managed to 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 commandeer this vehicle take it back to the the chop shop break it down every single piece that could possibly be like that could possibly that, that they could take apart except one bit except they go oh well it's just there's just these uh you know they're kind of like uh, where you put your feet you know you're getting out of the vehicle that's they call them rocker covers um rocker yeah that's it but yeah. like for me, a rocket cover is a bit of an engine. Um, <laughs> I don't know a lot. I don't know about cars. But basically, anyway, when cars were in the seventies, they could they built cars to be basically houses on wheels. They were fucking enormous. They were all built of cast iron, and there was loads of like cavities in them. So I was reading about smuggling, and this isn't one of the cars smugglers preferred because there wasn't a lot of like space in them. There's a particular yeah. model. That was really popular. I do think we see one or two of them in this this in the chase scene earlier. We do definitely the mint green car. I think mm-hmm. is one of the the cars that smugglers use, and it's because it's got loads of room like above the wheel arches, but below the interior trim, where you could stash stuff, and under the rocker covers, like in this movie, where like essentially you could like hide stuff. So the police would have to take it into a chop shop, jack it up, and fucking strip it right down to find this stuff. Yeah, and that, and that's what they end up doing, and that's where they get this. And again, it's it's all tied in to Gene Hackman's desperation to to be proven right and to make you know to to, to find these uh, the, the 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 drugs so that he they can say I was right all along, damn it! You know, we let's go bust and we can do it. And it is a great scene. It is a great scene, and I do like I do like how the the whole movie really balances on this moment because it, you you almost could see it. You could almost see the film just saying no. Nah, they're going to get away with it, you know, and that's we're not. And Hackman is going to stew, and that's what's going to be the end of this movie. Is this this, you know, washed up guy who who is is failed. He's failed to catch the bad guys that he spent all this time yeah. trying to chase, and that will be an interesting way to go. But they don't do that. We get a kind of like a big. It's a kind of like a bit of movie magic, isn't it? That like oh, the all is lost moment. We're never going to find out, and yeah. And then the mechanic's like, well, the one place I haven't checked is under the rocker covers. And you're like, well, why? <laughs> why? Why is there one place you haven't checked? Then check there. Yeah, and they have like a scene <laughs> where they're doing? like, oh, well, the, the, you know, the factory weight for this car is such and such. This is 140 pounds heavier. Like, where is it? And he goes, well, the one place I haven't checked. And we're like, mate, you couldn't have offered this information earlier or just done your fucking job. They put this car back together damn quick as well. Like, considering they've ripped all the interior out and... Without anyone noticing, which I think I would, you know, you you know, you know what's, um, you know that it's been missing. The cop, the, the criminals know that it's been missing, and because the the French actor has to go in there, Frog Three, Optimus, Trois. Optimus, um, Optimus <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we're taking that. He he has to he has to go and get the car from the lockup and Optimus Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> oh, there we go. There it is. There it is. Thank Again, you. I apologise to the nation of France. Sorry, France. <laughs> let's let's. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, people of of perhaps in the film, but the ending I think is is much more traditional. And like, I do, I do. <laughs> it could be the end to like a Law and Order episode, honestly. Like, and the criminals were never caught. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do like I do like it as a. As a, you get a quite a satisfying. There is a bit of a shootout, but again, the there's film's like a, we're not doing a this. More satisfying conclusion to this movie than there was a satisfying conclusion to this case in real life. Oh um, right, the, so they, in they this got away case, with it. in the in the film, like we have the big like 
the drug dealers go down, you have all the mafia guys and the French guys like wringing each other's hands and like, oh, crying, like, oh, we've made so much fucking money. We're going to get so all these, we're going to get so many kids addicted to smack. Throwing um, it in the air. Exactly, like, yeah. And the police rush them, we get all the cars coming in and then they're running away and they're panicking and we get a bit of a shootout. Um, Sal, uh, the, the, the main mafia sort of connection we meet, he gets shot and killed. Um, the French guy has like filled another car, which he's bought at auction earlier, with cash in the under the rocker covers again, um, and he's going to smuggle that back to France to build his dockyard or whatever. And we get uh, Gene Hackman. I keep wanting to say Jack Nicholson, very different actor. Um, Gene Hackman has like he's searching this grimy building for the French guy. He shoots the FBI guy, goes into another room, and we hear shots, and the film ends. Um. And we get some like end of credit things, which is um, so I'm going to tell everyone what it says, and then we're going to talk about how it was refuted by the people involved. So it says <laughs> that Claudia and Popeye were reassigned after this case. Um, it says that the French guy got away and he was never found, which I think is true. Um, that he was, um, they never found him. They did make a sequel to this in France where they go to find the French guy, which is entirely made up. Um, but they didn't find the French guy. Sal, who gets shot in the movie, went to prison for like four years and he served about two of those. So <laughs> good job, system, um, for like trying for buying £140 of heroin. Apparently that'll get you two years in prison. Corrupt New York. It's all good. Um, and apparently, because it's based on obviously two real police police officers, um, who made this movie and basically were like, being a policeman sucks, I want to be a consultant on movies. Um, so they both <laughs> quit the force. And the they tried to, um, the police force tried to like revoke uh, Eddie, I can't remember his name, um, Eddie Egan or something. He, they tried to revoke his pension. Um, he said since, by the way, that um, they weren't immediately reassigned. They worked together for another four years <laughs> after after the French Connection case. It's a uh, yeah, it's a better story though, isn't it? I think yeah, in, in, it's a bit like Goodfellas. It's kind of like a dramatized like the title cards give they give you closure, um, yeah. and that's kind of like I think a good thing in this movie, which otherwise would leave the ending quite oblique and quite and like, that and that oh. you know as we yeah as we get I think you know some of them I think it's it's one of those films that's so nice and wrapped up and feels like a warm you know feels like a full meal. You get everything you want out of this, and I think I think that's why it, it, it's so it, it holds up. I know, Dave. Let's keep going as you yawn away. It, it's, it's why it holds up so well because I think it, it it manages to bring together all of the different elements that you want from a movie in a in an almost perfect package. And there is there's a little bit of, a, a little bit of downtime, but there's so much to look at. There's so much to enjoy. There's so many characters to get you kind of teeth stuck into, which I really like. Um, and so it, it just feels complete you know it feels like a film that I just want to watch again just to almost watch it for the cinematography and never mind the story which is what I was watching the first time you know yeah um, and it is the cinematography is great and I think that like yes it looks like a movie from the early 70s um, in 2021 on a, on a widescreen HDTV um, but I think it looks fine I think the Marseille stuff is perhaps the weakest Um I think that's just a symptom of the fact that like it was that it was a much smaller unit than they were able to send to Marseille yeah. because the budget was that so low. Um, France, <laughs> Marseille, France. 
No one ever says they're silly. Um, <laughs> so, like, it's really impressive from that point of view. I really love the cast. I think Hackman, Gene Hackman is, is you know, one of one of the great actors, I think, that, like, you know, in a similar way that we talk about, like, Golden Age and Silver Age of Hollywood actors, I think that, like, of the quote-unquote modern era, I think Gene Hackman really is, like, a standout performer. Um, and this movie yeah. kind of, like, catapulted his career into you know a much much bigger roles like like I said before this he was for this movie in the casting of this movie he was cast because like you know he was a somewhat known actor who was cheap and like mm-hmm. this was the last time that was true um yeah and yeah. like I really like the supporting cast I really like the bad guys I think it's very good I think the the limit of scope in this movie the fact that we don't really get like home lives for these characters we don't really get like a and he's going home to his wife and kids. Like, it's nice because it feels focused and like not diffuse. And it's quite a long movie, wasn't it? Um, an hour forty-four, I think. An hour forty-four. Yeah, even after the even after the sex scene that, that, that you know, not the sex scene, but the when Jack Hackman takes the, the girl home, like immediately, um, this guy lives like shit. He does, and he's he's he's, he's handcuffed to the bed, and he his partner. Comes in and basically just grabs him by the scrotum. Like, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no hanging around, which I think is good. Let's con- let's finish off with a a list of uh, Academy Awards this one because I think there's there's You're supposed to be reading the awards while I'm doing that, Sam. Okay, I can't. It's too uh, the Mr. Burns Award for uh, achievement in <laughs> outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Field of excellence <laughs> goes to. Why do I so know it, that? <laughs> a, well done, because you're a, a cultured person. It's so they won Best Picture. So Philip De, De Antoni, who's a director, who was also producer on Bullet. So there's a, a connection there. Um, uh, sorry, Best Director was sorry. Start again. Best Picture, Philip D'Antoni, who was a producer on Bullet and this. Best Director was William um, Frederican, again, win. And Gene Hackman won Best Actor. It also got Best Screenplay um, for the adaptation from, from the book. And the one I just want to talk about now is Best Editing. Because I think this is I think this is the secret to this movie. I think this is why it works so well. And... I'm kind of like I'm always a bit confused about editing. Like it's one of those things I don't know a lot about. I've read up and we've and talked kind about of like... this in terms of cinematography before as well. Like it's one of those things where if it's really good, you don't notice it, but if it's bad, you notice it. Like yeah. you know, if it's really good, you don't think about it, and that's kind of like like it's like it's like set design. Like if it's really really good, you don't notice it. You only notice it when it's bad. Yeah, and I think the editing in this, the editing in this is what gives it that. It's what gives it that that feeling of number one constant movement because we 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 move from shot to shot, and often it's cut. Often there's there's shots where we're looking at the 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 bad guys, and then we in in, in the chase scene, for example, and we see this in the train um in the the the, the, the train scene where we we get straight from here's the here's the bad guy running through the train, and then smash we get back into into Hackman. There's lots of examples of these of these ways that they kind of keep things moving. So rather than um, rather than the, the, those long static shots that you might think from like from early seventies movies and definitely sixties movies where you'll just you know, you'll have you'll have just a tracking <laughs> you know shots going tracking landscape shots. Yes, 
and we'll we'll watch a man walking along a pier, and 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 there'll be none of that movement. I think what this money, film money, does money, is, money, money, money. Exactly, exactly. And the biggest the biggest feel that I got from this, and I think this is all down to the editing, is it feels like a documentary. It feels like someone has sliced together documentary footage, and so. It just it, it adds to that feel that which is what we started with. We started that that gritty raw feeling, and I think that the editing is why that is the case because everything is is serving the purpose. It's serving the purpose of giving you this this immersive feel. I think the editing is the key part of that for me. I would agree. Um, I think that like it really keeps up a really good pace, a good clip. There's not a lot of downtime in this movie. There is very little fat at all and to be honest when we talk about a really amazing movie like that's always true and whether in and fat is a very obviously not particularly specific term but in this movie we get lots of scenes where not lots happening lots of scenes where like the stakes aren't particularly high but there's tension throughout people moving i think there's not many shots of people sat around a room you know no there's a lot of shots of people stood up people moving and it lends a lot of mobility to the to the overall film and i do think that like even more so than the other academy awards this one probably the editing one maybe feels like the most earned yeah um, and again like i would not want to be the person in charge of sifting nominees for the for editing because like what you you know what if the, it'll be easy to do if you could see the initial the original footage they took and then the cut you'd be like obviously this one but you know this has obviously gone been gone over really really well and stands as a really quite like fantastic piece of cinema yeah absolutely absolutely as shocking as that as that revelation might be after an hour of us talking about one of the most beloved and well thought of movies ever made yeah just one loads of oscars it's actually all right guys it's actually pretty good made yeah Yeah. it's okay (laughs) it's okay it's pretty fun well done french connection you get our seal of approval (laughs) our no cash value (laughs) sacre bleu um, yeah, I promise that's it. I apologise to the nation of France. Um, there we this go. I think was a fun movie. It's nice to do classic movies like this from an era that we maybe don't touch on as much as we should. I would like mm-hmm. to jump into more seventies movies because, um, like I said, I'm sure some of them didn't have Al Pacino in it. Um, <laughs> I, I can't think of a single one. Honestly, this like this, but... and you know, I guess Star Wars. <laughs> I think I think from memory, Bedknobs and Broomsticks might be seventy one. I think now there's a movie I've seen eleven thousand times. Oh my goodness! I mean, I could, sto- I could storyboard that film for you right now. Here it is. It is nineteen seventy one. How impressive am I? Um, very good. A deep cut, Sam. Like again, maybe very specific to people of our generation and older. <laughs> like kids aren't watching Bedknobs and Broomsticks because they don't just have one VHS tape. Yeah, what what was really what was released on VHS in the nineties because that's what we watched. And the Ooh, speaking of Bedknobs and Broomsticks, by the way, um, that is a movie which uses uh, human people superimposed over cartoons and vice versa, which I think would be really cool to look at because I bet it looks like shit. Oh yes, in nineteen seventy one, I have watched it semi recently with Callum, and he was like, <laughs> it was, it, "Dad, that right. was crap." <laughs> yeah why are we angry he, at the germans dad um... no no that's exactly why he was he was he was into it until the nazi scene and then he was like what's going on here like i didn't really explain to him so you know, i think it's a little early to explain the holocaust to you so well, uh, we'll they're do. just the baddies they're just the baddies yeah. in this 
So there we go. There's our there's our maybe one of our future movies to cover. Um, just naturally, French Connection, Ben Alden Rusick. I think it makes perfect sense in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Um, and hopefully we'll get uh, Ross back from the shop, a uh, bit of an oil change and a, you know, wash and wax, um, and they'll be good to go. Because I think uh, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head. We must logically either be doing Top Gun or Rocky <laughs> next week. Uh, so. Get ready for some sweaty men, um, you know. Uh, and not just us. And a lot, a lot of subtextual, sub, subtextual um, homosexuality. Mm. Um, again, not just us in the film too. <laughs> yeah, just, um, just like this podcast. Just like normal, yeah. Right, love you, Dave. Love you too, babe. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>